KDAL's Master Gardener, Bob Olin. And away we go with the Bob Olin Show, the first show of uh, 2023. Morning, Bob. Well, good morning and Happy New Year to you, Dave, certainly, and to all of our listeners as well. Yep, absolutely. we got more snow on the way. We had a record-setting uh, snowfall in December, and it looks like we're going to start out January with plenty of snow as well. So lots of insulation for those uh, gardens. Well, that's the thing. We talked about it. If we're going to get it, we just soon get it early in the <laughs> season when we can uh, pull a little bit of that moisture, get it down to the ground. The good news about all this is uh, we had really droughty conditions and. Much of Minnesota, we didn't really experience that. The farther north we get in our listing area, the, the more moisture we had. So we really didn't suffer as much from that. But certainly as we moved a little bit farther south, uh, things are very dry. So this uh, this precipitation, even though it comes in a form that we got to move around and shovel, it, it should help break the drought conditions, which are very significant. And, of course, we see some of the uh, moisture accumulating in other parts of the country up in the uh, Certainly out in the west in the northern part of California, this uh, this has a bright side to it. We're getting pretty dry in many areas. Absolutely. And, uh, well, even though it's only January, I guess it's start to, time to start thinking about planting your garden for the upcoming spring. Well, it's pretty interesting. You're absolutely right. Uh, this is the time when you want to take a little look. The catalogs are beginning to come through. Uh, many of them, it's kind of interesting. We had kind of a break in the catalogs there. Many of them came in very early, like about Thanksgiving time, they were pushing the season. We've got a lot of beautiful color in front of us. A few there was kind of a gap in between. So personally, I'm still waiting for a few of the retail catalogs to come in. And uh, when we get some of those, so we know the availability of some of the seed, then we will uh, we'll complete our 2023 vegetable variety list. So we learned a lot last year. We're looking at a lot of the catalogs. Dave, and I thought maybe we can kick the new year off with a little discussion of some of the newer varieties and some of the things we're looking at for this next year. Sounds good. You've always talked about the, well, many varieties of tomatoes, so I guess now is the time to figure out which kind you want to grow. Well, the tomato crop, of course, is the number one home garden crop throughout the uh, the country and here, certainly in St. Louis County. I've talked with our greenhouse producers. They, spe- they sell more tomato transplants than anything else. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because they're a warm season crop. Uh, we have to be uh, very selective in terms of the varieties you want to pick up. Uh, it is everybody's favorite. Uh, you know, there's nothing like a homegrown tomato. There have been songs written about it, of course. And uh, it's really everybody's uh, favorite vine-growing tomatoes. But we have to be a little careful here. Warm season crop. We have a, a shorter season, fewer heat degree days. So we have to be a little careful in our selection and the way we handle things, the way we grow things. Now, if we can take you back into last year, and then hopefully we're getting the snow early and not late, if you recall last season, uh, we had that snow right up into May. So everyone kind of in the month of May just held back a little bit. I know that um, many, many, many people didn't buy early transplants. They delayed everything. Uh, They got the crops off and the tomato crop off quite late in the month of June. And, uh, you know, we really have to look at both the temperature as well as the the calendar, and you really can't miss uh, that bright sunshine that comes with uh, late May and early June. So... I think people should be aware of the fact that with our warm season crops in particular, we have to take advantage of the entire season. So we got to get them in. we got to get varieties that are appropriate for this area, and we've looked at a lot of them over the years. And uh, we had some rather interesting developments last year, and I'm kind of looking at some of our planning as well for this next year. We've got 
You're right, Dave. We have a lot to pick from. There are 10,000 commercial varieties available of tomato, which is rather remarkable because this is a plant that came out of Mexico. The, I think the word tomato actually is, uh, is a derivative of a Spanish word. When the Spanish conquistadors came to Mexico, they brought some of these back uh, to Europe, and certainly they were they were considered ornamentals for a long time. In North America, they were considered, or at least in the Americas, the United States, they were considered poisonous for a long time. They were grown just as just as ornamentals. And then, of course, uh, now they went from that to the realization that, yes, the plant tissue itself, it's in the nightshade family, but the fruit itself, of course, is never poisonous. Went from that to the uh, one of the most popular uh, vegetable varieties throughout the world, loaded with nutrition, lots of vitamin C. There's lots of lycopene. We talk a lot about uh, the antioxidant values of lycopene, and tomatoes are certainly uh, loaded with that. As a matter of fact, some of the breeders, they've done so much breeding work looking for earliness, looking for disease resistance, looking for quality, and uh, certainly looking for actually enhanced uh, lycopene uh, content. And just as kind of a rule of thumb, uh, the deeper the color, the deeper the red, uh, the more lycopene is associated with that. And and um, there's been a number of studies about that. And uh, I don't know how conclusive they are in terms of an anti-carcinogen. All we know is... uh, they're high in uh, antioxidant potential, and they're going to be very nutritious and very good for you. We're seeing, again, Dave, more and more studies that indicate that uh, certainly uh, in terms of uh, low glycemic uh, vegetables and so forth, there's always a concern about uh, type 2 diabetes in our in our society throughout the world, actually, where there's plenty to eat. We have this concern. And, of course, I just saw a study in Mayo Clinic looking at uh, something they've kind of dubbed type 3 diabetes and its association with Alzheimer's disease and and sugar content in the the neurons in the brain and so forth. So uh, a lot of these things, studies are not conclusive, but nonetheless, I think it does bear out the fact that you want to enhance your diet with with high-quality food. You want to minimize the carbs, and you want to really look to a good balance balanced diet, um, and a lot of fresh uh, fruits and vegetables, certainly. So this is where uh, tomatoes and all of this planting come into place. And people are more and more conscious of, uh, of maintaining their good health. So we can talk a little bit about some of the varieties. We have our favorites, of course, some that have produced for the longest time. Uh, this last uh, summer, we saw late blight in the area. I saw it once about 20 years ago and recognized symptoms immediately when we saw them occur. Uh, late blight's a little different than some of the other tomato uh, diseases that we deal with, and that's one of the downsides of, uh, of the tomato plant itself. It's vulnerable to any number of diseases. Blight, late blight, spotted uh, uh, fusarium, uh, verticillium, there are any number of diseases, and we saw actually a new one last year for the first time, our, our tomato spotted wild virus. So uh, we saw that for the first time here in St. Louis County that I've seen it. That one's a little different. We can talk a little bit about that. It's been out there in the rest of the world. And, uh, you know, the the breeders are looking for ways that they can minimize and uh, breed in resistance to some of these diseases. Uh, Viruses, we don't have any other type of control other than the resistance in the plant. So I believe we got some good news coming there, and and we're going to benefit from the fact that the tomato-spotted wilt virus has been a major problem in points farther south, and we saw it for the first time here in St. Louis County last year. So we can look at some of these varieties. Uh, Maybe we'll give you just a quick quick little overview. You know, you've got uh, 
two basic types of tomatoes. You've got indeterminates and you've got determinates. And uh, as the names imply, the determinate varieties, they're shorter in stature. They end in a fruit or flower, so the growth stops, the vegetative growth stops at uh, three, four feet in height. And then you we start to ripen tomatoes. Indeterminates just want to continue growing. That last, uh, what we call the terminal bud, that last bud is vegetative. So it wants to just continue to grow, and they'll grow certainly uh they certainly can easily grow eight to eight to nine feet in height, so they're a little harder to manage. But I would, and I would say there are perhaps more indeterminates in the world than there are determinates. We've kind of focused a little bit of our work on the determinate varieties, just because they're a little easier for the for the backyard gardener to handle. Now there are pluses and minuses of both of these, the indeterminates, and these are some of the old heirloom varieties. You know, they're very productive because you've got more plant out there, but they tend to be later. And uh, that can be an issue with us because uh, we got to get the plant up, we got to get it grown, we got to get the fruit set, then we got to get it vine ripened before we have our frost in the fall. So indeterminates, when we have them field run, they're out in the garden without any kind of greenhouse or hoop house uh, protection. Uh, we're very concerned about uh, getting them out during the season. But are there some great varieties? Some of our favorites out there, Big Beef, Better Beef, I can, uh, Big Boy, Better Boy, uh, these are all indeterminate varieties. So many of our cherry tomatoes are also indeterminate varieties. We've got so many wonderful, both red and uh, now the tangerine and the golden indeterminate uh, cherry tomatoes. But those are all indeterminate. So I'm looking for some determinative varieties of those cherry tomatoes that are going to be a little bit easier for the for the backyard gardener to grow. So we use two big varieties. We can talk about uh, where we're going. We can talk about what we're going to recommend on our variety list uh, in just a bit, Dave. All right. Yeah, well, 10,000 to choose from. It's got to be tough to narrow it down to what uh, you want in your garden. Do the catalogs tell you what you're getting, basically? Well, the catalogs, everything grows perfectly oh, you know, sure. according to the catalog <laughs> descriptions. Uh, you have to be just a little bit cautious because I've never, you know, obviously they're in a catalog with a beautiful uh, photograph. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're always going to be perfect. They grow perfectly. That's where you want to, I tell people the best trial garden is really in your backyard. Uh, grow something that you know grows well in this area talk with your neighbors, take a look at our recommended variety list, which is just re- recommendations. If you got something that grows for you that you're very pleased with, by all means, stay with that. But open your mind up a little bit to what uh, your greenhouses are suggesting, uh, what we would might recommend as some suggested starting varieties, and then what works extremely well for you. Because uh, out of 10,000, and actually, I opened that list. I was challenged to come up with my top 10, and at that particular time, I started uh, – actually counting out page by page some of the varieties that I could access and I could access 1500 varieties just in front of myself so there are plenty to pick from that's good but you have to narrow it down to something that's going to grow for us in northern Minnesota something now with disease resistance Uh, that's becoming more and more important I mentioned the fact that we had a problem with late blight last year we saw some of the first uh tomato uh, spotted wilt virus this last year. So I think uh, looking at the descriptions and where there's earliness, where there's quality, uh, where there's productivity, and now where there's some disease resistance as well to some of these major tomato disease problems, Dave. All right, we'll find out uh, some of those picks from Bob coming up. 928 now at KDIL. This is the Bob Olin Show. 
Well, Bob will get into his favorite tomato varieties, but first got a call to get to. Bob, hi, who's this? Uh, my name is Crystal. Hi, Crystal. Go ahead. Good morning and Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year, Bob. Uh, I have a question about my seedlings getting leggy before they're ready to go out to the cold frame. I oh, keep them yeah. under yes, I keep them under fluorescent shop lights, and I keep the lights maybe two inches above the plants, and I raise them up as as they start to grow. But they're still getting leggy, and I'm wondering why. The whole thing is wrapped in um, plastic, so it's staying warm. Okay, so you've got uh, what is your what is your timing? What what kind of uh, you know? There could certainly be a couple of things going on. They're definitely stretching for light, and this is one of the real challenges that a uh, uh, a homeowner or home gardener that's trying to do this without a uh, without a greenhouse. So you're gonna you've got a system where you're going to be starting them under light, and then you're going to move to a cold frame that's unheated. Correct? So. Yeah. What you've got to do is you've got you're going to have those seedlings for uh, quite a bit of time. Tell me how you're seeding quickly, and when you're seeding. Are you uh, are you looking at last? When would you be seeding your tomatoes, as an example? It could be we're starting a little too early, uh, but let's let me get a little more information from you. Okay, I start at the beginning of April, and it's usually lettuce and kale and broccoli, kind of the brassica family. I seed them in like a seed starting mix. In the 72 cell trays. And this is the tomatoes. You're starting tomatoes about the same time. Is that correct? Yeah, probably tomatoes. I start a little bit later in the middle of yeah. April. I would say your tomatoes, you probably don't want to start before about April 15th or so because we don't want them to stretch if we can. I think you might. You've got shop lights. What I would try to do with the shop lights, uh, they're obviously looking for more light. I would make sure you've got a mix between cool white and warm white bulbs. Is that the case? I think so, yeah. Yeah, make make sure that you've got a pink bulb in there along with the uh, the traditional white bulbs. Uh, make sure that uh, uh, you, you start in a seeding mix and then you're transplanting, or are you just trying to grow them out directly from seed? I don't transplant them. Okay. I, that's they're, in, they're under the lights yeah. for maybe three weeks before I move them out to my cold frame. Okay, and how do they do when they get in the cold frame? Still stretching? Yeah, they're probably only in there for a week before I get them in the ground. Okay. Uh, we've got quite a bit of time here. I, I think what you might consider is, is starting the seed and just running the seedlings out in a seeding mix and then uh, transplanting those into a uh, uh, you know a larger seed uh, um, container or cell so that uh, you lift them out. You don't try to grow them just directly from the seed. Take another step there where you're going to, and they transplant very readily, very easily. But then we've got uh, some more nutrient available to them. And then you want to make sure that uh, not with the seedlings, but after you've transplanted, after we're up to about uh, maybe an additional two, three leaves, at that point we want to come in with a water-soluble fertilizer. It could well be here that we're, they're looking, they're stretching for light, so we want to get more light to them. Uh, it could also be a nutrient issue there. If we're just uh, seeding with a, a seeding mix, you're not getting sufficient nutrient. So no nutrients, no fertility with the seeding. Take those seedlings and lift them out and put them in a, a larger cell pack or a larger size. And then 
after they settle in for a day or two, then come in with your uh, a good water-soluble fertilizer. Make sure you've got sufficient phosphorus and potassium and not as much nitrogen. So either a balanced mix or emphasis on the P and K, the second two numbers. Use the water-soluble. Uh, make sure they're getting uh, sufficient fertility without excess nitrogen. So if you've been trying to grow them out just in the seedling mix, I think what we're looking at is a nutrient deficiency there. So I would suggest changing up your your, uh, your procedure a little bit. Again, you can start about mid-April. Should be sufficient time. See them, transplant them, and with the transplant solution or, or soil mix, come in with a, a water-soluble fertilizer to, to grow them out. Okay, thank I you. I hope that that's the process. I'm a little concerned if you're just coming from that seeding mix that we're not getting nutrient we need, and that's that in addition to the insufficient light is the reason we're getting that stretch in there. I hope they have okay. enough phosphorus and potassium. Look for a good uh, water-soluble potato formula or tomato formula. That could be something like a 10, uh, 30, uh, 20 or something like that, where the first number, the nitrogen, is lower than the second two, but everything water-soluble. So. I think in your case, uh, it might be more of a nutrient issue as well as a light issue. Okay? Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Happy growing. Thank you. Give it a shot. There you go. Uh, there's a, an experienced gardener there mm-hmm. that uh, that's doing it herself. The nice advantage that you have if you're growing out your own seedlings, yes, you've got to play with them. You've got to have a love for this. You've got to get a system that's going to work, so you've got got to manage your nutrients that's why it's a little easier to buy from a good quality greenhouse but if you want the varieties that you're most happy with the the best way to get those is really starting your own seed and going from there but you got to work on that process a little bit particularly if you don't have a greenhouse to deal with all right bob we'll head to the phones again hi who's this mary joe hi mary joe what's going on um, I have an amaryllis. I've never had one, and I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> okay, it's one of my favorite holiday plants. You know, right now, do you have a bloom on it? There are six, six? flowers on it right now. Oh, yes. beautiful. You've got six blooms. So uh, is was this a gift, or do you buy this yourself? It was a gift. Well, you can thank the person that gave that to you, because if you've got six blooms uh they spend a significant amount on purchasing that bulb. That's a very large, high-quality bulb that will produce that many blooms, and they actually grade them and they rate them depending on the size of the bulb and the number and its potential for flowering. So you've got six beautiful flowers on there, blooms. Uh, that's a quality variety. I think I'd let them, you know, enjoy the bloom, and as soon as those blooms drop off, then the the stalk that the flowers on, the flower stalk, you can cut that off at the base level, and that'll leave you just with these long, elongated strap leaves. You want to find uh, a very, very sunny location in your house. Do, would you have a good southern windows, uh, more than one windows, where it's nice and sunny and warm? Ooh, That's, not really. Not really. Yeah, southern windows somewhere, you want to get these in the south because to get them to rebloom, now you're going to enjoy them now, but to get them to rebloom, you've got to get good growth through the entire uh, summer season. And then uh, we let them grow well into about October and we provide nutrient, as I mentioned in our last caller. Uh, you got to make sure you've got a water soluble nutrient. You've got a potted uh, plant right now in a very light grow mix. Uh, there, so it, it doesn't have sufficient nutrient. You want to come over the top with a good water soluble fertilizer, uh, particularly as the days are getting much, much longer as we come into the summer months. So, you want to find uh, the brightest spot that you can 
if you don't feel like you've got good light and you want them to rebloom, then you're going to move it outside. You're going to wait wait until all the danger of frost has passed. You're going to be very careful when you move it out. Uh, you're going to find a, an area that's protected from the wind and from the direct sunlight. Then gradually you can move it out into a little brighter conditions. And you bring it in um, and let it continue to grow in the fall. Bring it in. They're, they're frost sensitive, so you want to make sure you want to get, bring it back inside before the threat of frost is out there. And then when we get into October, hopefully now we've stored enough energy so we've reset flower blooms down in the bulb for next year. So you're in about October, about October 1, you just uh, let it go dormant. You cut off all the water. You cut off, uh, uh, you still supply uh, some available night, but it, light, but that plant is really going to drop down. Those strap leaves are going to drop off. You're just going to have the bulb. But within that bulb, you've got the potential for all these flowers. And you, when you want them to rebloom about the holiday time, you want to lift them dormant, leave them dormant for at least four or five weeks at a minimum, and then uh, when you want them to rebloom, then you add water to them, and from that you get both the strap leaves as well as uh, next year's flower bloom. So uh, that's kind of the story. I enjoy them now. Cut off the flower box. Find some location where you can get good growth on those strap leaves, and they potentially can bloom for a number of years for you. They're really, really great gifts that keep on giving. Mm -hmm. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. 9.40 now at KDAL. Bob will take another break and be right back. All right, Bob, we're back, and I guess uh, you can start in with your uh, recommendations now for tomato growers. <laughs> okay, and if people want to call with holiday gift plant questions, <laughs> we'll definitely oh, take sure. those in the meantime. <laughs> okay, I mentioned the fact that we were talking a little bit about the fact we've got the two basic two basic types of tomatoes we grow out there, determinants, indeterminates. We're going to focus a little bit on the determinants. These are going to, they're easier for the home gardener to manage. Uh, over the entire season, uh, they're not quite as productive, but they do come earlier. So this is the reason that we focused on these. You know, maybe first on that list for a nice slicing tomato, because you've got slicers, we've got paste tomatoes, we've got heirlooms, we've got lots of different categories to work with. But most people want a good slicer that they can uh, they can make a good BLT with later in the season. So we'll start with Celebrity. Been around uh, with us for a long, long time. Um, been one of our favorites it does in most years now this is the interesting thing every single variety will respond a little different depending on the growing season every growing season just a little different uh daylight uh, there's daylight is about what remains consistent but temperatures change moistures change relative humidities change um, your timing when you set transplants on fertility changes so there's lots of variabilities so that's why I just suggest that people get a couple varieties, a minimum of two varieties in there, because there have been years, I mentioned celebrity, there have been years, the one about two years ago where people really struggled with it, not just in my plots, but other places. Don't have a real good explanation for that one, but celebrity is one that does does tend to grow consistently for us. Now, I will mention, I talked a little bit about disease. Disease is a major issue with tomatoes for us. Uh, we always have some early blight. We had late blight last year that can be very, very devastating. We've got other leaf spots, diseases, uh, septoria. These are all fungal diseases. But we saw this tomato spotted wilt virus last year for the first time when uh, it's it's quite a bit different. Uh, we begin to see symptoms on the lower leaves. It spread very quickly to the plant, and the plant just 
because this is a virus different than a fungus, it tends to be systemic, eventually takes the entire plant down, and oftentimes we don't even get up to the fruiting stage. The good news is this was a problem farther south. It's really a virus that's carried by thrips, which is a small little insect. So in terms of control, if you can control all the thrips, and you're going to have to do that with an insecticide, and major commercial growers have had to go go this route, uh, then you can you can control this uh, tomato spotted wilt virus. But for most of us, we're not going to be out there with a spray routine. We don't want to put the pesticides on, and that takes quite a bit of uh, diligence as well. So the good news is this has been such a major problem that the breeders of the world, pet breeders, have tried to incorporate some resistance, and we are beginning to see that in the catalog. So we have... Uh, for the first time, something a variety called Celebrity Plus, which had been selected and bred specifically to minimize, uh, or at least with some resistance to the, this particular virus. That apparently it's going to become more of a problem for us. So, you'll see in the catalog Celebrity. You'll see Celebrity Plus. I've not grown out Celebrity Plus. I'm assuming that's going to have some of the very similar characteristics. Sometimes you don't know about a name and exactly what's behind that name. But um, I'm concerned about uh, this particular virus, so we're going to give that a try this year. So if you have a choice, uh, Celebrity, Celebrity Plus, you might want to take Celebrity Plus. Now, I don't know why, but they're all adding this plus if there's a, a tomato mosaic Res, uh, virus resistance in it. So you're going to see Celebrity Plus this year. You're going to see Better Boy Plus. Better Boy is one of our indeterminates that we like a great deal. And uh, there, are, there are others out there as well. Uh, Big Bush is another variety that's, that's uh, produced very, very nicely for us. And we've got some uh, plus variety there as well. So we are beginning to see uh, some genetic resistance that's been incorporated. You know, people will go back to the heirlooms all the time and, and say, I don't want anything to do with some of these hybrids. And I say, there's a reason why we hybridize. First, we got earliness, we got quality. And one of the, the big things they're really trying to do is they're trying to incorporate disease resistance into the genetics of the plant so that we don't have to be concerned about some of these really potentially debilitating diseases that can affect our tomato crop. So Celebrity or now Celebrity Plus, uh, I'm going back to another variety that hadn't been looked at for a number of years and recommended, uh, one called Defiant. Defiant was a variety that, uh, once again, uh, disease resistance was bred in it, but, but it was they made the claims originally, and this was developed actually down in North Carolina by Randy Gardner, who uh, who um, has just retired or is in Professor Emeritus status, a great tomato breeder down there, and we've used a lot of his varieties over over time. He's responsible for the Mountain Series. Mountain Merit, Mountain Spring was a variety that uh, that we looked at and have grown out over the years. But uh, Defiant was one, and the name came from the fact that it was defying some of the tomato uh, disease problems, some of the fungal disease problems. They made the claim initially that it... Uh, it defied early blight, which we always have on our tomatoes in most years at least. And I was pretty excited when I read those descriptions, put them in our trial with controls, and we found that we didn't see any resistance to early blight. I responded uh, with my trial research, and they've now dropped the claim on early blight, or at least they've minimized it. But they're still staying with the claim that um, that it does resist late blight. And wasn't a major concern for us except last year. Now, late blight is a disease which will hit a plant 
uh, very, very, and again, it's carried from spores. It's a fungal disease. Hit a plant very, very quickly. Uh, and uh, the classic symptom there is we've got kind of a white halo of spores on the underside of the leaf. That's what's kind of the classic definitive symptom. And then within three or four days after infection, it'll actually take the whole plant down. The rots the fruit very quickly, uh, destroys the plant entirely. So I'm going to look at Defiant again uh, because we did have a major problem with late blight in the northern part of our listing region from cotton on north. So there was a lot of late blight that, that took a lot of tomatoes out. So I think Defiant's going to go on our list because they, they're staying with the fact that there's uh, resistance to late blight in the genome or in the genetics of the plant. And that's what it was hybridized for. So uh, look at those. Another one that um, the name is kind of unusual, Polbig, developed by Seedway. Uh, Polbig, I had my trials. It's very productive, very early. It has kind of an unusual shape to it. It's almost teardrop shape, but it's got tremendous eating quality. And I'll thank, uh, when I was doing a lot of our work and, and uh, the master gardeners in St. Louis County were helping me collect and weigh these, I'd send them home and let them try them. Uh, for flavor, and uh, this is one that really stood out. So they brought it back to my attention. The yields are good; they're average yields, but the the plant very early, and uh, it really has very very good flavor associated with it. So another variety, um, Bush Early Girl, which is a variety that uh, you know they use the name. What's in the name? Early Girl. Many people are familiar with. It's in our trade. Yeah, many of our greenhouses supply it to people because they really really enjoy it is early. Uh, the, the fruit is, uh, I think its biggest claim to fame is its earliness. The fruit is adequate on it as a slicer, but very vulnerable to disease. So I, I dropped that one on our list, but I added Bush Early Girl, which the name is very simil similar. It's again a, a bushy determinate variety that uh, will really, uh, I don't see the, uh, I see more disease resistance in that, more quality there. So I like uh, Bush Early Girl as well. So we've got, uh, that's a pretty good indication for you of the determinants that, that I really like on our list. On the indeterminates, um, we've got, I mentioned uh, some of these, uh, uh, what we call beef steak, uh, indeterminate tomatoes. Uh, Big beef is one of the varieties. That's a variety, again, that has tomato spotted wilt resistance in it. So, but you want to look for the big beef plus if you're going to make a, a selection there. But big beef and and better boy are two varieties. Not not uh, Burpee's big boy, which is probably the biggest selling tomato in the in the nation. But that's a little late for us. Again, we have to be very careful with our selection. But we do like uh, better boy. But once again, big beef and better boy are going to be indeterminate. So you're going to have to prune those down to two stems or two meters. You're going to have to have some kind of a uh, support system that can handle a uh, six to eight to nine foot uh, plant. But if you get it in early, if we have a good warm growing season, uh, that's going to be uh, very productive for you as well. So, uh, and I'll add one more on our determinants. This is again out of the North Carolina breeding program, one called Mountain Merit. I mentioned Mountain Spring, which is a little earlier, but Mountain Merit in a warm year is, is very, very productive. So, Thanks to that breeding program, we have uh, that variety available for us as well. Uh, paste tomatoes, uh, certainly some people are going to grow those. If you're going to be putting up tomato sauce, we're seeing more people that are are canning uh, tomatoes now that are trying to uh, take their homegrown product and make it last through the entire year. 
So you want to look at some of the uh, San Manzano is uh, one that we've seen that's grown real well for us, as well as the Amish pace with, that's been around for a long time. And I think it's worth a few plants. Uh, the problem with uh, trying to use uh, some of our slicers, they're really selected for that nice, juicy texture. Lots of water in them. Uh, the paste, of course, are denser. And if you're going to be uh, putting together tomato sauce or uh, something like that that you want to preserve, then you definitely want to get a couple of the paste tomatoes in there. Cherries, we've got a couple favorites. Uh, we've had Sweet Million, Sweet 1000, and they're close in their genetics. So take your pick on Sweet Million or Sweet uh, 1000. Uh, they're both going to be fine for you. I think we've uh, just recently started to grow out uh, Sun Gold and Sun Sugar. These are tangerine and yellow uh, uh, cherry tomatoes that are really very, very sweet, and they've they've gained a great deal of consumer acceptance. Uh, the problem, the original was Sun, uh, sun Gold, and uh, the problem with that is if you didn't get that picked immediately when it was ripe, it would split and crack very readily for you. So if you're going to grow out sun, sun gold, you want to make sure you pick them just a little bit under and let them ripen perhaps in the house. We have another variety called sun sugar that, uh, again, uh, is more crack resistance, but it isn't tough. The problem, we can select for crack resistance, but we get a very tough, thick skin on them. So sun sugar would be my choice. If you're going to grow out a, a, a tangerine or a yellow uh, tomato uh, for uh, for the quality there, sun sugar, I think you're going to be happier with than, than sun gold. We share these ideas with all of our uh, our greenhouse industry here in St. Louis County, and and many of them that are starting their own plants from seed to pick them up. So all of these varieties, one place or another, should be available to the consumer. So lots to pick from there. Those are my favorites. I love to hear from other people. We always get great eye varieties, suggestions from folks, and we'll put them in trial. We'll take a little look. We like to trial. Uh, hopefully this year we'll be trialing at three locations, uh, Duluth up to Ely. So we'll have a pretty good look at some of these uh, newer varieties. And there are several new ones, including a couple All-American that we haven't had a chance to take a look at. Pink Delicious is one of them. Uh, there's another one called Debut. The seed is extraordinarily expensive, but it's very, very early. And I understand the quality there is acceptable. So we'll be always looking. Uh, even though we have 10,000 varieties out there, I think... Uh, the breeders are going to work, and we probably have uh, eleven or 12,000 that we can pick from already. Uh, 10,000 varieties. I assume they all have different names. How do they come up with a name? I mean, they got to run out eventually. Well, you'd think so. And <laughs> actually, in many cases, and in the commercial realm, we've just got numbered varieties. Oh, There's okay. one particular breeder that just, uh, and they've got some real high-quality material out there, but they just number them all. But that's a challenge for uh Anyone to keep track of all that numbering. So some of them certainly are numbered varieties, but those, and here we're talking mainly for our, our home gardener, for the retail catalogs, they'll select a name. A name is very important because that's what what stays with people. So right. um, when we look at the big boy, a great name. When we look at the better boy, a, a great name. Early girl, can you imagine? Even though <laughs> the tomato has been supplanted by other varieties that I think have more disease resistance, higher quality, more productive. But nonetheless, early girl is such a good name that that sells the tomato in and of itself. So a name is important. But for our educated a listening audience, you want to go a little bit beyond the name. Like I made that distinction, uh, 
between early girl and bush early girl. I'm very happy with bush early girl. Work work, work nicely in a container, but it's a nice determinant. It'll go out in the garden as well. And I see a lot of disease resistance there. I believe that the genetics between bush early girl and early girl are totally different, but they've picked up the name because the name itself uh, sells the uh, the particular tomato. Yeah, very so descriptive names. It. Yeah, that's for sure. I, they should just name one big, fat, red, juicy, ripe tomato. <laughs> Just tell, call though, it like it is. Get a copyright on that one. There you you're, go. You're good, you're good to go. <laughs> All right, we'll check out the weather and be right back to wrap things up. All right, Bob, we got just enough time to say goodbye, and we'll catch you back here again next week. We'll do that. Everybody be safe out there, and uh, we will definitely see you next uh, Tuesday, Dave. Sounds good. It's news on the way for you next from CBS, also the Minnesota News Network. And then stay tuned for the Bruce Siski Show here on KDAL. The Bob Olin Show has been brought to you by Dan's Garden Center. Located in Dan's Feed Bin in Superior. And by WLSSD's Garden Green. Compost you'll dig.